This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c Thank you so much for being here for this episode. I'm so excited about this one. I am welcoming Lola Sanchez Liste, who is a pediatric sleep coach and founder of Rockin' Blinks. And we are talking about a very important topic, breastfeeding and sleep training. Can it be done? Thank you so much for being here today, Lola. Hi. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me here. I'm so excited. Um, I always enjoy um, talking with families and uh, support them in their sleep journeys. So I think these are super important and relevant topics, and I'm happy that uh, I have the opportunity to join you. Oh, and when we were talking about topics, I asked Lola, I'm like, how comfortable do you feel about talking about breastfeeding and sleep training? And she jumped to the idea. And I'm just so grateful because, you know, there is a misconception that it can't be done. And we're going to talk about what we need to consider if you are a breastfeeding mom, what I want you to think about, um, and if it's possible. But before we get started, tell me more about yourself, Lola, and why you started Rocking Blinks. Of course. Um, so, uh, yeah. Hi, everyone. Again, I'm Lola. I am originally from Argentina. I live in New York. Uh, I have two children. They are seven and four years old. And actually, I became a pediatric sleep coach after becoming a mother. I was doing something completely different uh, before being a mother. And I started to become very passionate uh, about this after experiencing the sleep deprivation and lack of answers that comes mm -hmm. uh, with the newborn days, right? I had my own struggles with uh, postpartum anxiety with breastfeeding challenges at the beginning. Initially, I created a practice that was called uh, Julia Duarme, that's Julia Sleeps in Spanish, working mostly with Latin American families. And most recently, I created Rocking Blinks, that is a full platform with free and paid um, resources uh, with information for parents and professionals. So whoever is looking for sleep information, sleep answers, I want that to be a um, safe place where they can find practical um information. But yes, basically my journey is related with my uh, motherhood journey and, mm -hmm. and understanding how hard it is, especially at the beginning, and how hard it is to find uh, the right, uh, both sleep dynamic and breastfeeding or bottle feeding situation when you become a mom. Oh, this is so great. So I think from your experience, obviously, as a mom and um, as a sleep coach, and then also myself as a pediatrician who is very interested in breastfeeding and is getting her IBCLC, which is the certification to become a lactation consultant. This is something very important to me. Um, so thank you so much for joining me. Um, and, you know, the question that I often get asked from breastfeeding moms and some of the misconception is, 
Can breastfeeding and sleep training coexist? There's a misconception, number one, that you can't sleep train a breastfed baby. And we're going to talk about terminology and what that means. And there's also a misconception that if you do sleep train a breastfed baby, that the bond will be removed or, you know, mm. reduced, that a breastfed baby who is um, sleep trained cannot have that same bond with their mom, which is not true at all. And so yes. we want to, you know, talk about these myths and also just talk about sleep in general. So if you can just go ahead and talk about if you've heard that myth as well. Yes, I completely agree. So for sure, breastfeeding and sleep training are two hot topics in the parenting world. And they create a lot of debate and passionate discussions. And sadly, sometimes fights and judgment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but these are for sure important, relevant in both babies' uh, development, in parents' health, and the family dynamic. Um, so the easy answer to your initial question is yes, totally yes. Sleep training and breastfeeding can coexist. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing that I would like to um, talk about briefly is what is that parents are doing when they are sleep training? And basically sleep training that is kind of a term that I don't uh, usually feel comfortable with because I don't know why we call it this way, but means, Mm -hmm. you know, it basically means changing sleep habits, changing a sleep association. This is a time in the baby's or an older children um, life when a parent wants to help uh, the child or the baby improve the quality of sleep and they start changing certain sleep routines and allowing the baby to fall asleep in a different uh, way. Mm-hmm. For many babies, this sleep association is nursing to sleep. For other babies can be bottle feeding to sleep or rocking to sleep or falling asleep in the stroller or or only falling asleep uh, during a car ride or falling asleep with a parent uh, inside the crib. Uh, there are so many different sleep associations here. You name it, I heard them all. Yeah. Um, now for a breastfeeding mother um, who is ready to allow the baby to fall asleep without nursing, that does not mean that she has to stop breastfeeding. Correct. And this is a very important concept because, again, it's a matter of how is the baby going to go from awake to asleep. And it's okay in a mother's journey, in a parent's journey, in the baby's journey, if at some point the family is ready to take a step forward and allow the baby to fall asleep in a different way and change that habit. But it does not mean that breastfeeding has to stop at all. On the contrary, this is about offering the baby to sleep when they are tired and to be fed when they are hungry. Um, But of course, the parents will still need to feed the baby, no matter if it's breastfeeding or bottle feeding, when the baby is hungry. Um, I guess that the reason why the concept of sleep training becomes more relevant at some point is because we are all dependent of signals to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Not only there is a time of the day or in the evening when we feel sleepy, and this is uh, responding to our circadian rhythm, and we need to rest, um, but also our brains associate certain habits to falling asleep. Uh, in the adult life, or even in an older children's life, it could be brushing teeth, put our pajamas, get into bed, get our favorite pillow, have a blanket, turn off the light. If we fall asleep in certain conditions and we wake up during the night, Without that pillow, without that blanket, mm-hmm. with our partner, it's not there. Uh, and suddenly we wake up and we are alone um, in the bed. Um, and we feel confused about this. So it's the middle of the night. We need to fall back asleep. But we first need to find, you know, an explanation for 
what happens with the conditions or in the way we fell asleep at the beginning of the night. Mm -hmm. But then if we want to fall back asleep, we need to get comfortable again, right? We want to pick up our pillows in the floor, put the blanket on again, turn off the light. And this is the same for a baby who's either nursing to sleep or bottle feeding to sleep or being rocked to sleep, right? If mm -hmm. the last thing that that baby remembers is nursing to sleep and the only way that he can relax and go from awake to asleep is nursing, again, there might be a time when parents are ready to take this step forward and say, okay, let's change this and let's allow the baby to develop a different habits. And this is completely normal and even healthy and awesome. And this is so great. I mean, again, I'm just so happy about how you explain that sleep associations, right? Because I think when people think sleep training, they think it has to be a certain way in terms of, you know, eliminating everything, but it really just helps a baby understand that I can sleep without any of that external things to put me down in that moment. It doesn't mean those things can't happen. Like we right. talk about, you know, I think there's a misconception in general with sleep training that a sleep trained baby doesn't get the cuddles and the affection. Oh, I mean, no. obviously yes. you're giving all of that to your baby. You're just teaching and showing your baby that, hey, when it's time to go to bed, you can get fed, but you're going to bed because you're in your bassinet or crib and we are going to bed because it's time for bed. Not that you needed something to be done for you to go down. So this Completely. is kind of what we're teaching babies. And I love how you explained it. So when a mom is thinking about breastfeeding or is breastfeeding and thinking about sleep training, what are some things that she should consider making that decision, dropping feeds, not dropping feeds, yeah. cold turkey, all of that? Like, what do we want to think about? Or um, yes. how would you guide that mom in deciding? Yes, very important. So um, for this question, I would like to separate the information in two different topics. And the first one that I would like to address is sleep development, because what we mm. want to make sure when we consider both sleep training and night winning, for example, um, is that we want to respect the baby's natural development. And this is also a big myth. And you were we're also talking about this because we think that also that both sleep training and night winning is natural sometimes. Mm -hmm. And this is on the contrary. What we want to do is, you know, to allow baby to be who he is and to respect the natural development of that baby. Um, so in terms of sleep development and sleep biology, um, the first big thing or big milestone that happens um, in the body is that nighttime sleep starts becoming organized around six to eight weeks old. Mm -hmm. This is a time uh, when the baby starts producing its own melatonin. And before this time, the baby gets the melatonin through mother's milk. And that's why during the first weeks of life, we see a lot of day-night confusion. There are not really sleep patterns. And the baby eats and sleeps all through day and night without really, you know, a set schedule. However, around two months old, three months old, is when we see that nighttime sleep starts becoming organized. Why this is um, so important? Because suddenly parents report, uh, especially if you're a lucky parent, <laughs> that the baby is having a longer stretch of consolidated hours at night. A baby mm -hmm. who was feeding, uh, you know, every two hours, every three hours, suddenly parents put the baby down for bedtime and the baby suddenly gets five hours, six hours, seven hours. 12 hours for lucky parents. Yes, that can happen naturally yeah. for many babies. Parents will say, I didn't do anything special. And then yet my baby was sleeping for 12 hours at night when he was two months old. 
And this is completely possible and natural. And this is the circadian rhythm, taking the first moderation steps and organizing nighttime sleep. Um, and again, this happens because the baby is producing its own melatonin. Um, the second thing that happens around this, usually this is the time when babies start the social smile. And this is mm -hmm. the cutest thing, you know, when yes. mom looks at the baby and, and, and you even are like, did oh, did she just smile at me? Yes, and he's like, yes, yes she's Aww. smiling at you. It's not a reflex. It's really your baby smiling Aww, at you. Yes. And this is such an important milestone too, because we see on one side, the baby is um, growing healthy, right? Just developing. Um, but also we see that the baby starts association, associating information. So now it's a good time, and this is usually the suggested time, when we tell parents, okay, why don't we start to work on the sleep routine? So the baby really associates certain steps, certain routines with falling asleep. Even if you're still nursing to sleep, rocking to sleep, feeding to sleep, at least to create that, you know, lovely, uh, warm routine that will take baby to sleep. This is also a time when nighttime sleep starts becoming organized, some pediatrician will suggest to parents at this uh, two-month appointment to start sleep training. Is this a good moment to do it or not? That's the family's and the pediatrician decision. But mm -hmm. some families will feel comfortable start changing the sleep habits. And remember, this is only about how your baby falls asleep. Nothing else. So some pediatricians will tell, why don't you experiment by putting your baby awake in the crib or drowsy mm -hmm. but awake? And another thing that I um, also mentioned to parents at this time is that it's very important to respect an age-appropriate schedule because an overtired baby yeah. or an undertired baby, for that matter, will struggle falling asleep. So it's not only about changing the habits, it's also about um, supporting a good schedule that respects the baby natural rhythm. So again, for many babies around two months, they will naturally drop some of some of all the night feedings. But for many babies, this is still a need that stays. The need to be fed during the night, they still need to grow. And again, they will be hungry um, during the night. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood explains in your podcast app that's understood explains warmer sunnier days are calling fuel up for them with factors no prep no mess meals chef crafted meals with options like calorie smart protein plus and keto factors fresh never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week you'll always have new flavors to explore crush your wellness goals this may with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust i absolutely love the spicy jalapeno lime cheddar chicken and mushroom 
premium chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Now, the second I'm still talking about sleep development, the second step that happens around four months is that daytime sleeps become um, more organized. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see that naps start coming together. You know, there's a more regular schedule, certain, you know, sometimes naps uh, start getting longer. Uh, but also sleep patterns mature in, in a way that sleep cycles develop into different stages, more uh, similar to adult patterns. And we also call this a four-month sleep regression. Mm -hmm. And this is usually a time when parents start considering sleep training in a more confident way (laughs) because, you know, maybe that baby that at two months was having these longer stretches of hours um, and skipping night feedings suddenly is waking every hour when sleep cycles end and they need to connect with the other cycle. And they're like, how come, you know, my baby that was beautiful sleeping at eight weeks old now is suddenly waking up all through the night. So again, this is just a brief introduction to sleep development. When can we expect, you know, longer stretches of hours? And then mm-hmm. when, you know, daytime sleep starts becoming organized. Um, now, if we consider night winning in this process, we always want to check with the pediatrician. Yeah. You know, we want to see a healthy baby that is growing, that every time we take them to the um, regular checkups, you know, that baby is gaining healthy weight. There are no feeding issues. And the pediatricians, you know, is also given the green light for night weaning. And again, some babies are ready and some are not. Now, the second part that I want to talk about is what are the signs that the parents need to look for or maybe pay attention if they're considering night weaning? For example, is baby active during night feedings? You know, when mom wakes up because the baby is waking up and she nurses the baby, is the baby really sucking and emptying the breast? Is is he active? Does he seem hungry? Um, Is the baby sleepy maybe Mm -hmm. during during the feedings, right? Like only sucking for a little bit and then falling asleep immediately, more showing kind of a, you know, more like a habit and then just using the breast to fall asleep. How frequent are these night feedings? Because if the baby is eating every three hours during the day, but then feeding every 30 minutes during the night, that is probably not a hunger sign, but more like, you know, again, a habit sign that every baby wakes up uh, needs to be nursed to sleep. Um, And the other big thing is that uh, is to look if the baby is hungry in the morning, because sometimes babies, again, especially if they are during the four month sleep regression and because they're waking so frequently, they feed through the night and snack through the night that when they wake up in the morning, they are not really hungry. So if by feeding during the night, the baby is actually skipping the morning feeding, then we're not really helping the baby develop healthy patterns because what we want to see is that the baby drops night feedings and sleep more during the day. So these are small... Sleep more during the night, right? Uh, during the yeah. night. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry yeah. about yeah. that. Yeah, so, yeah. so these are, you know, little signs that I always um, suggest 
parents to pay attention to, to make sure that those night feedings are really efficient, are really necessary, um, and to make sure, again, that we are responding to the need to eat during the night and not just the comfort um, of nursing. That, again, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that if they're ready to start changing certain habits, you want to pay attention to these things. After six months old, most babies or many of them will be ready to win uh, during the night mm-hmm. if parents are ready to take this step. And this happens again because their circadian rhythm gets stronger, hormones um, related with hunger drop at night, and consolidated sleep becomes super important in the baby's life. And then yeah. again, if the parents are ready to take this step, it's really a good time you know, to work on night winning. No, this is so great. And I love, so there's two comments. Well, there's a few comments. I love that you talked about the circadian rhythm around six to eight weeks. You know, you might be the first sleep consultant or sleep coach that I've like seen resources or talked about that, that puts it at that age. I have some people that say it's later. I actually completely agree with you that it's six to eight weeks. Some people say it's four months. I have seen it in babies that some babies, not all babies, we have to remember this. When we talk about sleep, it is unique, but some babies, we do see that sleep cycle change around six to eight weeks. And my own son slept um, nine hour stretches at two months because of a combination of things. I think he has good sleep genes, but also maybe we'll get into it. Um, we practice a lot of pausing, meaning yes. I think it's something we'll get into like in the middle of the night, ever since he was born, it's like, we don't jump right away. Um, right. anytime he makes a noise, which I think is so vital because even if you are breastfeeding, bottle feeding, I don't care. Sometimes we mess up with their transitions through sleep cycles because they whimper, cry, make a sound, and they're actually not hungry, but they're actually just moving through sleep cycles. And right. when you start to do that more, um, in that newborn phase, you actually will find that they may stretch their sleep, not because they're an amazing sleeper, but because we didn't intervene as much. They weren't hungry and we created an association for them. So that's like one tip that I know I'm sure you talk about too. It's so, I think one of the biggest parenting tips I have is pausing. It's sleep. Yes, completely. And then, um, and then the other thing I love that you talked about is, um, okay, so like the, the signs that, you know, whether to wean or not. So my next question for you is just methods, but what if a family wanted to go cold turkey? They feel mm. like, you know what? I don't think my baby needs the nighttime feeds anymore. Yes. Maybe one of them is 10 minutes long. The other one is five minutes long. I want to eliminate feeds. So let's talk about cold turkey, what you mm. would recommend. And then yes. more of a gradual, I want to talk about more gradual um, recommendations too. Yes, completely. So, um, and, and again, this is a point where both sleep training and night winning um becomes things that we work together sometimes. And the reason for this is what I've talked um, earlier. Um, And this is that we have sleep associations, right? So again, the way we fall asleep at the beginning of the night, especially as the baby grows and it's more aware of the surroundings, is the way we will need to connect sleep cycles during the night. So if a family is ready to start night winning and they are considering cold turkey, what I always recommend is start with how the baby falls asleep at the beginning of the night. What I'm trying to say is you cannot expect a baby who nurses to sleep and arrives to the crib asleep Mm -hmm. to stop feeding during the night. Are there parents or babies who happen to experiment this and say, oh, yes, I put my baby asleep in the crib and then, you know, um, they just sleep through the night? Maybe. But if we are talking about actively, you know, trying to our babies to um, change 
uh, their sleep habits, this is something that we always have to consider. Let's help the baby go from awake to asleep in a different way at the beginning of the night, and then let's allow him to connect sleep cycles without nursing during the night. So if you're going to start somewhere, start with the beginning of the night. What mm -hmm. is that you can do at this point? Switch your sleep routine. If the final step of your sleep routine is nursing to sleep or rocking to sleep for that matter, put the feeding at the beginning of the night. Create a sleep routine that is very consistent. You do each you know, same step uh, each night. Um, and then allow your baby to get to the crib completely away because that's the first sleep association that you want to change, how your baby falls asleep at the beginning of the night. Mm -hmm. The second thing to consider, again, I mentioned this before, the time for sleep. We want to allow the baby to have the opportunity to sleep when he's really tired and not overtired. So it's super important to follow um, a natural rhythm. We need to remember mm -hmm. that babies are naturally early persons. They release melatonin early in the evening. Uh, they need a lot more hours than adults um, do in terms of sleep. So a baby will feel more comfortable falling asleep early in the evening than late at night. Like, you know, newborn babies can fall asleep at 1 a.m., 12 at night or 11 p.m. But then as the baby grows and again, the sleep develops, we want to make sure to put the baby um, early for bedtime. This episode is brought to you by the New Mom Survival Guide, an online digital course and community brought to you by me, Dr. Mona Amin. Join me as I guide you through your first year of motherhood. This course is not just a how-to for your baby, but a how do you get through those ups and downs of motherhood. From my experience as a board-certified pediatrician and mom, I share the foundations of parenting, newborn feeding, sleep, introduction to solids, infant behavior and development, and so much more. I educate and empower you so that you can be the best mother for your baby. Visit peasdoctalk.com for more information and to sign up today. And the other thing to consider is make sure the baby is eating well during the day. If we are expecting the baby to night wing, we need to make sure that at least the baby is eating around three hours each, um, every three hours during the day. So we, because we want the baby to get most of the calories during the day. So these are mm -hmm. three, again, important things that um, I always remind um, parents to uh, pay attention to. Now, if parents want to, you know, go cold turkey, Again, there are certain biological things that I always like to mention. In terms of um, needing those uh, night feedings, we know that babies who start sleeping better, they can for sure go um, and stay asleep for a longer stretch of hours at the beginning of the night. This is a time of the night when babies mostly go into deep sleep. That sleep mm -hmm. is super important for their development. So the first suggestion will be, don't feed the baby until after midnight. Mm -hmm. This is the first step. Usually babies who are already organized in nighttime sleep and usually those who are older than four months only get two feedings a night if they're still feeding at night. The first one happens after midnight and there's a second feeding that happens three or four hours after that first one, the same rhythm that they get during the day. Mm -hmm. So again, if this is a baby, if these are parents that are considering night winning um, and cold turkey and the baby has been snacking through the night, you know, the parents tell me, I don't know, my baby is waking up 10 times a night and I'm feeding mm. the baby every single time he wakes up. Okay, so maybe 
you can either go cold turkey, but then you can consider if you're not ready to, for that um, yeah. step yet, at least let's give the opportunity to the baby to only feed two times that is age appropriate for um, for four months, for example, right? So one feeding after midnight and a second feeding three to four hours after that second feeding. So that's a... Um, you know, one one consideration that parents might have. The other consideration that they might have is to drop one feed at a time. So let's say that the baby is already feeding two times uh, during the night. They can actually go to one um, feed in the night. And again, I suggest don't feed the baby until after midnight and only keep that one feeding during the night. Decreasing the feeding time, it's also another um, consideration that, that mm -hmm. parents might, um, might think uh, about. And in terms of cold turkey, um, so first mom needs to be completely confident about this because yeah. she needs to be consistent. If parents, again, want to take this step and they want to, you know, not feeding the baby anymore during the night and the baby is ready, We want to be consistent. If one night man says, okay, I'm not going to feed the baby tonight, but then the next night man says, oh, okay, yes. whatever, you know, I will go for it. That's super frustrating for both parents and the baby. The baby and, will be super confused. And mommy's confused. breast. And yeah. mommy's <laughs> breast and will go yeah. there for sure. Yeah. Um, but again, consistent, being consistent is super important. Yeah. And let's talk about mommy's breast. This is a transition. This is a transition for both the baby and for the mother's body. Um, so of course, her body will need to adjust and the body will be used to producing a certain amount of milk during the night and suddenly the baby is eating less and the mom mm -hmm. is night winning. So we want to make sure to take care of mom's body. So if parents are going cold turkey, um, One of the things that a mom should be paying attention to is, is she uncomfortable during yeah. the night? Are um, their breasts going um, super red maybe? Or yeah. uh, is she having any clogged ducts? Or are their breasts engorged because, you know, she's having uh, so much milk during the night? For sure, the body will adjust. After two or three nights in the night winning process, the body will adjust. In the process, mom can manually express milk yes to feel a little bit more comfortable i personally would not suggest a full um breast pump session because Correct. if she has a full breast pump session we're still telling mom's body to keep producing milk at that time of the night mm -hmm. um so that is something that the mom you know should consider right if she's really want to um wean the baby the body will adjust and we should stop telling the body to produce milk you know at a certain time of the night so basically again if she's feeling too uncomfortable she can manually express um a little bit or even do a, a small pumping session if that's too uncomfortable mm -hmm. and she will see that after two to three nights she will feel more comfortable and the body will naturally see that the baby will need a very important efficient feeding early in the morning so and baby I really yeah and I really want to remind moms like that is exactly what I recommend too I mean you will still feed your baby how you want to feed them during the day you can still take them to breast pump but yet you're right that you want to feed to comfort If you're going to wean cold turkey, you need to get up and feed to pump to comfort because you don't want to get engorged. I agree with that because engorgement yeah. can lead to mastitis. And you've got to make sure you empty your breast enough to comfort 
with a pump if you're going to go cold turkey, because I don't want a mom to end up with engorgement. Like you said, another tip that I have is just say you are sleep training cold turkey and you put your baby down seven to seven. Sometimes I recommend um, just say your baby went down at seven. Okay. And you're doing a full cold turkey sleep train. You can also pump, make sure you pump before going to bed so that you have one final pump before going to bed so that your supply doesn't tank. And then you, in the middle of the night, the whole 12 hours that you're doing sleep training, whatever method you choose, if you're not doing any feeds at all, then you wake up to your engorgement, to your pain, you know, if you feel like that discomfort so that you don't become engorged. I agree with you completely. It's possible, but you will need to do the pump to comfort. And I love that you specified not to do the full 20 minutes if you are trying to eliminate feeds altogether overnight, because if you do the full 20 minutes or 30, whatever, you're going to tell your body that, oh, we still need this overnight and it'll cause the supply never to change. And you're going to be doing this forever. I love the way you describe that. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Totally. And then there are certain, you know, specific situations. For example, this is particularly important for mom of twins or mom of multiples, because one thing, you know, is a mom that is going cold turkey with only one baby. Another thing is an exclusive breastfeeding mom who has twins. So she's not only producing for one baby, she's producing for two babies. So um, to those mom, I especially tell them go slow. You know, you will get to the night winning process, but it's important for your own body uh, to give the body time to adjust. So, for example, for moms of twins, sometimes if the baby is young, if the babies are young, I recommend, you know, going to the, the strategy that I mentioned at the beginning, right? So why don't you first let's 
you know, drop the snacking. So let's move mm-hmm. to only two feedings a night, one after midnight, one three or, um, to four hours after. Then we move to one feeding a night and then you win completely. And that process will happen and the body will adjust a lot better without putting mom at risk of mastitis, for example. Um, so again, area. yeah, so for mom of multiples, especially if they're exclusively breastfeeding, this is something to consider. Then also it's important to consider um, young babies, right? To always, uh, if the babies are younger than four months, uh, we want to make sure to have the um, pediatrician green light uh, to mm-hmm. do it because again, we want to make sure that the baby is growing healthy. And it's always, you know, in terms of um, having the right advice at that specific moment, you know, it doesn't hurt to have, you know, a lactation consultant, even a short call, a short consultation to get all the final tips um, before getting into the both the sleep plan and winning plan, right, for the first few nights that are the ones that um, make parents more anxious, This is so great. I'm loving this conversation because I'm like literally sitting here nodding along. I'm like, yes, yes. Everything you say is so right on. And I'm just so glad that we could talk about this. Um, You talked about one method. I have two more questions. There was one method you talked about um, where we are weaning um, gradually the amount of feeding. So you were mentioning like focusing on a feeding and going down on the amount of time that you're breastfeeding. Is that what that means? Yes, exactly. And this again, if I mean, today specifically, we're talking about breastfeeding, but this could also apply to a baby who's bottle feeding, right? If we want to do that night weaning, which is put less milk in the bottle, for example. But for a breastfeeding mom, one um, option is to feed for less amount of time. And what I always tell mothers who want to move slowly in this process again is be consistent because it can move slowly can be frustrating. Yeah. Right. Because we're there in the middle of the night and you're really tired and you really want your baby to drop that night feeding. And then you suddenly put the baby in the breast and I, I, you know, I'm looking at the clock and I say, okay, so it's one less minute tonight and one less minute tonight. So it's like a mental, right? Uh, preparation for that moment too. And um, again, if mothers feel comfortable going slowly in this process, it's awesome. And they also need to understand that it, they need to be consistent. They will get to the goal. But again, it's a transition process. So yes, one uh, option they can consider is to breastfeed for less time, um, to nurse for less time uh, in each uh, feeding session during the night. And then my last question would be, so for a mom or parent who's trying to figure out they're removing snackings, right? And now you like for the example that you were mentioning that we're going to do that one, you know, the first feeding after midnight. So how would you describe like when that baby does wake up in those times that they were used to? What are some strategies that they can do for those snacking moments to get them back down without that snacking, if that makes sense? Yeah, super important. And it's where most parents get frustrated or stuck completely. So again, I would like to go back to the beginning of the night. Because what we can expect from that baby is that he or she will need to fall back asleep in the same way that she or he did at the beginning of the night. Mm -hmm. So this, again, brings us back to sleep training um, alternatives. And again, when we are talking about sleep training, we can consider different options. Always remember to put, again, as I said before, the feeding at the beginning of your sleep routine. Then you create your sleep routine. I always suggest to create that sleep routine simple, short. It doesn't have to be a long ceremony. It doesn't have to be super stimulating Mm -hmm. for your baby. It's really, you know, about those calm, um, very regular steps 
steps that take your um, baby to the crib. Now, this is the moment when you need to decide your strategy. What are you going to do when you put your baby awake in the crib? How do you want to support that baby while the baby falls asleep? Do you want to stay next to your baby? Do you want to leave the room? Do you mm -hmm. want to touch your baby during the process? And these are different options. But whatever you choose is what you're going to do with your baby when he wakes up during the night and you're not feeding him. For example, let's say that that family puts the baby down in the crib. And of course, the baby does not know how to fall asleep because before taking that step, the baby was used to nurse to sleep. So the mom and dad are ready. They're putting the baby awake in the crib after this, you know, loving routine. The baby is awake in the crib. Parents can decide. And, and I'm talking about older babies. We can yeah. go back to, to newborns if you want in a, in a little bit. But um, one option is let's stay next to the baby. You can set a chair next to the crib. You can use your voice. You can shh, shh, mm -hmm. shh. You can use a phrase. I'm here. It's time to sleep. Um, you can pat your baby in the back or in whatever position he is. Remember, we always want to put babies on their backs to sleep for safety reasons. Um, so you can pat your baby. You can shush. You can talk. Talk. You will stay next to your baby until your baby falls asleep. If your baby wakes up for snacking during the night, and remember that he will just be connecting sleep cycles, but we'll try to figure it out how, you go back to that chair and then you sit in that chair and do exactly the same thing until your baby falls back asleep. If it's midnight, let's say that you're keeping the feedings. If it's midnight or later, you go, you don't make the baby wake. You pick up the baby, you nurse the baby without allowing him to fall asleep at the breast. And mm -hmm. when the baby is finished, then you put the baby back in the crib and you go back to the chair until the baby falls asleep again. Every time the baby wakes up, we want to do exactly the same as we did at the beginning of the night. Yeah, the key here, the way you said that, it's like also what method you're choosing for your sleep training, like meaning you're helping them, right? So some families, like I know, will do a modified thing of Ferber, for example. Like they'll do, yeah. I want to drop off my feeding, like gradually drop off the morning feeding, like we were talking about, or the middle of the night, like yeah. after midnight feeding. But for those snackings and for those moments that they're trying to drop, they do a Ferber where they do leave the room and come back and check yeah. in. So it's so important. And remember, everyone, I have episodes that go over all of the different um, methods, methods of sleep training. Good. Um, episodes 16 through 20 go through the different options you have so that you can tie it into what we're talking about here. Here we're talking about more breastfeeding considerations and protecting yeah. supply and mastitis and, you know, not having that happen. But yes, like she was saying, I just wanted to make sure you all know that in those moments that you're not feeding baby, you're going to help guide them. And that's your philosophy on how you want to approach that. And I exactly. love that. Yes. Oh, this yeah. is so great. I'm just so happy. I think we got through so much information. What would be your final message for everyone listening, you know, um, in terms of their breastfeeding journey, sleep training journey, if they're doing both or either? <laughs> yes, completely. One thing that I um, always tell parents is whatever you want to do, if we are respecting, you know, the baby's natural development and, and you will, it's possible. So even if you're talking about co-sleeping parents that are, um, or co-sleeping mother that is still breastfeeding a toddler to sleep and she wants to change, yeah. that is possible. And I always remind this to parents. I know that it sounds impossible when you are there and you're trying to change things and you're overwhelmed about how to do it, but it's completely possible. So um, this is 
kind of a positive message that I want to to give everyone. It's never too late. <laughs> and um, we need to understand the age of the baby or the child, what are the options and what is the plan? You need to have a plan, but it's totally possible to get where you want to be in your sleep journey and in your winning process or not winning process. The second thing is don't act out of fear. And I think you addressed a little bit this at the beginning. You know, there's so much information, so many philosophies, you know, all those are respectable, but it's important not acting out of fear, not doing things just because you're going to harm your baby or your baby's development is going to be super affected or you're not uh, loving your baby enough. So, you know, you know, all those fear messages that sometimes we get as mothers when we are trying to move forward, but struggling so much. Yeah. Um, so again, it's better, you know, to be uh, well-informed and then consider our options and act from, from there, but not acting out of, you know, fear of harming our child. Oh, um, I love that. And then also always, you know, use your pediatrician um, to talk about, you know, if it's healthy tonight, wean, if your baby is ready for that, um, to make sure that your baby is growing healthy. So that's always, you know, a good uh, reinforcement for parents to feel more confident when they are acting. Also to talk with a lactation consultant, you know, again, if you're hesitant and you want to have, you know, more um, specific information or a better guidance, uh, always a professional can guide you a little bit. So sometimes, you know, a short consultation will make it. And this is teamwork. And for me, this is a very, very important message because sometimes we feel that this is all on moms. Yeah. Uh, And definitely night weaning, especially, and even sleep training works best when dad is involved or when the other parent is involved. The the one that is not always feeding or, and it's not uh, the main, uh, you know, caregiver during the day or during the night. So when the couple is in the same team and working together, the process goes a lot better uh, because we really need both parents uh, involved. And finally, mother mental health. It's as important as, you know, to pay attention to the baby's health in terms of development, age-appropriate thing um, to do and on feeding needs and sleeping needs, but it's also super important to listen to the mother and where is the mother at. And, you know, sometimes, you know, even uh, we have certain standards, but then, you know, mom needs a different thing and that is okay too. Oh, these are such great final points. And the last one is like the best take home. And, you know, I think one of my final things that I just want to drive home is from the lactation world, right? Like, I mean, I really want people to remember the physiology of how breast milk happens. And I think it's an important final message from my end, because some babies are sleeping. We talk about this. Some babies are sleeping through the night at three, four months with no feedings on their own, meaning the parent did nothing, right? They, meaning they didn't do nothing, but they didn't have to do any sleep training, quote unquote. And the mom is not waking up. And so there's a misconception that every baby needs to wake up in the middle of the night to be fed. Now, the big take home here is that if your baby is waking up for any feeding and it's a full on feed, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and you are deciding to do sleep training, you have to think about the physiology because I don't want you to have your breast milk supply tank And I don't want you to create engorgement and mastitis because you assume that, oh, I'm just going to eliminate this feed. I'm not going to wake up. So when we talk, you know, me and Lola talked about the pumping when you wake up, um, the pumping before you go to bed. If you notice that your supply starts to tank because you were doing all this or forgot to do this, talk to a lactation consultant. We usually would recommend like pump power pumping to get your supply back up because I don't want people to feel like I wanted to sleep train. 
And then I also want to breastfeed, but sleep training ruined my breastfeeding journey because it's no. not like that. You can have no. both. Yes. You can have both, whether you did a cold turkey, whether you do gradual. And the take home that she mentioned, the mental health of moms are important, but also remember that you can create and have what you want, but it just takes consistency and it just comes up with a plan. And you are going to have that plan that may look very different than your friend or than someone on social media. Um, and Lola, I mean, this is just such a great conversation. You are going to come back on this podcast. Oh, yes. I love, I love talking about sleep. I'm like, so obviously it's, I'm a pediatrician and I talk about it all the time, but it's just so nice to get this out there, um, especially with the breastfeeding misconceptions. And tell me where people can find you, your Instagram yes. website, all of that, because I definitely want to put that on my show notes and, you know, drive people there if they need help. Yes, please. So come visit us at www.rockinblinks.com. Uh, also follow us on social media. We are on Instagram at rockinblinks and on Facebook. And again, I love to support parents and help them, you know, to um, stay away of these fears and just to, you know, act um, well-informed and understand it that we, as you said, we all have different sleep journeys and and we can all, you know, get... Um, the good sleep we need, and that's definitely my passion, and, and to understand that children need sleep so much, and because our fears of um, development that uh, sometimes, you know, are so misinformed, yes. um, we don't remember how important it is to sleep both for children and for parents. So yes, please come visit us at Rock and Blinks. Oh, absolutely, and I can attest to that as a pediatrician interested, obviously, with a huge passion in development also lactation, also formula. I mean, I, I do it all because I'm a pediatrician and I love what you said. Absolutely. We have to remember it's a big picture and your baby will love you. I mean, of I think there's so, much, there's so much misconception that if I'm not always there for my baby or that I do this, that I'm a terrible mother. Absolutely no, 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 not. no. Absolutely yes. not. We wouldn't be talking about this stuff if it wasn't for something that you wanted to do and that was okay for baby. I Completely. love this, Lola. Yeah, um, thank everyone, you so much. Make sure you follow Rockin' Blinks on Instagram and visit her website for more resources um, if you want to consult. But I'm just such a fan of her and I just love how she explains things. So thank you again, Lola, for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review. Share this episode with a friend. Share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at PedsDocTalk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, PedsDocTalkTV. We'll talk to you soon. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.